Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Loopcast. I'm Chelsea Damon, and today we are actually doing um, some spreading of podcasting love. We have two people on the show that have been involved in Mosul and the Islamic State podcast. And if you haven't listened to it, it is really informative. It's done in a way that tells a story that goes throughout the different episodes. And um, there are some hard things to deal with. So um, be aware of that. However, the show is done really, really well. And we wanted to kind of do a joint podcast on this. So today, I'm so happy to have Omar Mohammed on the show and Dr. Hororo Ingram. And they are both involved in this podcast that is with the program on extremism at George Washington University. So first of all, thank you for coming on the show and we're dealing with multiple time zones here. So thank you for being on in the afternoon, evening, morning, et cetera. Hey, thanks Josie. We, uh, yeah, we really appreciate it. So for thank our- you, Josie. Yeah, uh, it's, it's uh, just, just to, to, to say about this idea of like, this this kind of exchange between two podcasts is is really uh, a nice beginning thank you oh thank you i thought this was a fantastic idea and so i'm so happy we were able to make it happen and especially since everyone is scattered across the world in our strange new times but for our listeners Omar Mohammed is a historian, and recently he was the anonymous blogger of the Mosul Eye, which informed the world about living under the Islamic State, along with the atrocities that the group had committed. Um, you know, personally, as a researcher, I followed the Mosul Eye pretty religiously during everything, um, and still they have great content, so definitely check it out. And um, he is also the host of Mosul and the Islamic State. And then Dr. Haror Ingram is a senior research fellow at the Program on Extremism at George Washington University. He's also one of the authors of the ISIS Reader, Milestone Texts of the Islamic State, which personally, I've got a copy right here and I use it a lot for research and just also reading because it's highly um, important to the topic and the field. And he also is the writer and co-host of the Mosul and Islamic State podcast. So we've got the two important men of this podcast on the show. Why don't we start out talking about where this idea came from? Why did you decide to do this podcast and um, some of the background? Um, I think I think I am the one who should start here. Um, thank you again for, for hosting uh, us, uh, Chelsea. Uh, it is, in fact, uh, it's been it's been almost over a year now. When um, I sent a text message to the director of program on extremism, Lorenzo, it's after I have been reading lots of uh, research papers about what happened in Mosul. For someone who have already not only lived what happened in Mosul but documented that. And then I saw the difference between what really happened, uh, the narrative of what happened, and the way the world understood what happened in Mosul. And then I, I asked him, like, can we do a podcast about this? And then it's, it, was, it was so quick that he told me, give me, give me, give me a few minutes. And then... After those few minutes, we started 
the conversation, Haroro and myself. Yes, it's over a year now. The first question that came to 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 mind and that came that was put on the table was, uh, should we really focus on the major events? And then my answer was simple. As a historian, I feel that history is not made up of the major events, rather the small details. And with these small details, we can only understand uh, what happened. Beside that, there's something very important is to bring the people who experienced what happened in Mosul to tell their story on a global platform. And that was, that was how everything started developing. It all started with the questions, uh, 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 hundreds of hours of uh, discussions between uh, Haror and myself. Uh, and then everything started. It's a very long, tiring uh, process. But the idea was actually, uh, it's very simple but at the same time, very complicated is how to make sense in a, on a global platform. How do you help the people to make sense of events that happened in a very local context? And I think that uh, uh, Haroro can uh, uh, explain more from this point because he was the one who uh, 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 raised all the questions. Yeah, thanks, Omar. The only thing that I'll add is that you know before even the idea of a podcast emerged omar and i had spent months talking i mean from about april or may of 2020 uh we were speaking most days of the week um, about our research but also just generally about i guess our experiences and throughout these conversations these shared kind of concerns emerged about where the field was heading um where research was going, um, some of the policy decisions that had been made, uh, but also about media reporting, the way that the media um, was covering these issues uh, and these communities, um, and I guess ISIS and violent extremism more broadly. And ultimately, all of these concerns that we had kind of came back to this one root issue, which was the need to centralize local stories. And, and, and more than that, to focus in on the human aspect of those stories. So when the idea of the podcast um, kind of turned into reality, and that's entirely thanks to Omar and Lorenzo, the key was to find a way to tell the story of Mosul that was going to resonate with people that was gonna connect our listeners with those local um, and human perspectives. And I really appreciate the chance that I was given to write for this project. And this was kind of my first chance to do this type of storytelling, at least in a public sense. Um, I have worked behind the scenes and this kind of thing before, mostly in radio, kind of ghostwriting. Um, but ever since I started at the program, Seamus in particular had been encouraging me to kind of do more of this type of writing and so I, I really appreciate that opportunity and for me it was obvious that to tell this story we had to find a vehicle and that had to be Omar now 
Omar wasn't always comfortable with that. And Omar is the kind of person that, that, that is always looking to elevate other people. And so throughout this process, throughout production, he was bringing in um, all of these different um, uh, interviews and perspectives and, um, and, and, and elevating those, those, those stories and trying to push those people um, to, 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 to the fore. And that's very, very typical of him. But Omar was always going to be very important, be a very important way to move the story forward. Omar was going to be um, a really important vehicle for bringing these different threads. And there's about a dozen different threads that we wanted to um, um, bring together to tell this story. And Omar was going to be a really important part of doing that. His story, his extraordinary story, um, was going to need to be central to that. Look, the thing is this, is that Mosul can seem a very, very long way away. It can seem very, very abstract. And sadly, I think for most people, it's become intimately tied to ISIS. Um, and just the experiences of those people, it's, 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 it's very hard, I think, for, for a general audience to even be able to comprehend what happened the violence and the tragedies that the people of Mosul had to face. And, you know, our listeners should be thankful that most of them will never have to face um, such extremes. But there is a lot that is universal to this story. It's, and it's in those broad human experiences. You know, it's in those experiences of loss and tragedy and despair, but also resilience and hope in the face of all those things. Uh, it's in other themes, like the importance of family, the role of politics, good and evil. So these were the universal ideas that, that, that we wanted to kind of highlight throughout this story. And so basically, we tried to create a story that gave the audience every opportunity and a range of different reasons uh, to connect with it. And I think as a listener myself of the show, you've done a fantastic job in bringing all of these issues and desires to make the show both personal, telling the stories of people that survived this horror is the best way of putting it. Um, you've really done that. You've told this story. You've also interjected the main points that has have happened through this story, the history of it, but there's that really personal touch. And for Omar, I mean, you speak about things that are so personal, experiences that are very, very private. And I want to hear from you how that was for you, because um, many of us that have either experienced trauma or know how it affects people, it's it's sometimes really hard to talk about these things and bring them up again because it, it puts you back in that time and so as a listener and as someone that's followed your your work and your heroic work through the Islamic State when it was in Mosul um, you know I thank you for that because as Ferrara mentioned you really you really are a hero I guess that's the best way of putting it at least in my mind um, but yeah I wanted to hear from you Omar about doing this podcast because it is very personal Yes, uh, in fact, I have I have discussed with Haroro things I have never discussed uh, uh, after what happened, and uh, 
because he was raising questions that he was trying to help me to tell the story in a way that makes uh, uh, sense it to to become a, a meaningful story because for me as a historian um I remember, I remember a quote I always use when, when I start uh, any conversation about a history, uh, 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 the history of my own city, which is from, from a book uh, called The uh, Shared Lullabies. It says, like, how does a historian uh, write about violence against the history of his own uh, city? How can he make sense of violent acts for himself and the readers? Uh, without com compromising, and this is what was my big concern, with, without compri compromising its sheer excess and its meaning define its meaningful de defining uh, uh, core. How can he remain a scholarly observer when the country of his birth is engulfed by terror? Whenever I get a question from Haroro, what happened here? What happened on this day? How did it happen? How did Daesh attack this? Side, how, how all of this happened. I always try to take a step back because talking about my own experience, talking about my city is not an easy thing to do. And there is something in what Haroro mentioned. Probably people would think that what happened in Mosul is a very local thing that happens only uh, in the city of Mosul because of the certain context, context of the city of Mosul. But if people listen to the podcast, they will realize, and I think many of them have already done this, that you realize that there is a universal, universal commonality between what happened in Mosul and almost everywhere in the world. It's about the people and what they felt uh, in the first moment when their life has changed or the moment they have felt the change itself. All of these things are horrifying and they are deep in its uh, 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 meaning because it, makes only, it only makes sense when you speak to those people. And then the idea also uh, developed uh, uh, because there were, there, were, there, were, there were many things like... Uh, hundreds of hours of interviews with people from Mosul, from uh, other parts of the world, people from different communities in the city of Mosul. And then I was listening to them. I was living there and I was experiencing almost the same thing. But I realized also that each one of us would have a different story. And all of this started to, to be honest, I mean, it started horrifying me. Uh, it added more uh, uh, fear to my uh, uh, already uh, fear uh, uh, that I have had with me since the beginning, but then started it started becoming something more powerful. That finally, this narrative of the history of Mosul of what happened in Mosul is being told by its own people on a global platform, and and it's apart apart from from the story itself, Chelsea. It's it's also the, the sense of working as a team. I mean, the way Harora was posing the questions, I, I couldn't get the same questions, for example, from other people. 
but because we developed during very long uh, 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 hours of discussions, and you have already mentioned that we are completely in two different uh, uh, time zones. Like we are almost like two days, uh, one day, like we have one day uh, uh, difference in time zone. Uh, it's always the night uh, where Harora is, and it's always the morning where I am. And then put uh, uh, in mind also that uh, our mood is, is different because when, when we are in the night, it's different from when we are in the morning. Yet for months after months, the only question was what happened in Mosul? And we keep repeating the same question. What happened in Mosul? How did it happen? When it happened? Why did it happen? And all of these questions revealed, like, I think, I think Harora will be better to speak about this, but they revealed very small details that no one could ever know about them, only from those people who lived through the horrors of, of Mosul. And yes, there are personal stories. And I hesitated also to put many other uh, uh, personal stories there are there are certain there are certain moments that we can never share them with anyone and part of protecting those moments it's not it's not for the sake of 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 privacy no it's for the sake of protecting that moment that no one should ever touch this moment that we felt but you need to get the uh, 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 help of someone who knows how to ask the questions. And I mean, to me, as also again, I and again, I study, I study history. And to me, it's not the one who answers is the uh, person who makes the argument. It's actually is the one who knows how to ask the questions. Because once you know how to ask them, you will really get the story. And this is what was happening: is is this 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 these conversations? They revealed the horrors, but also there is something very important. They revealed the resilience of the people of Mosul that I myself couldn't easily see it when I was there. But then I started observing all of these stories, like a young female, she's, 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 I think she was 16 at that time. She decided to open a school and I don't want to burn the, 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 the uh, uh, final episode, but I will tell this story because she decided to open a school under the rule of Daesh. She opened the school secretly. She defied the education system of Daesh and she started teaching kids from her own, own neighborhood. Who could have done this? How could she have this bravery and courage? She is the hero, not me, because she... She, she managed to, to find uh, a, a way of creativity to peacefully uh, resist uh, Daesh. This is what, what actually changed and is trying to change the narrative about what happened in Mosul. We have to listen to those people, this 16-year-old uh, uh, female, uh, the, the, the musician, who uh, I mean, Muqtad, who, while Mosul was falling down, he just refused to leave his uh, cello. He just refused to leave his music. He, he, he decided to, to accept whatever cost. 
but he said, I will play music. And he would go to his rooftop and play music. There are many other stories in the, in the podcast. You would hear this kind of bravery. It's unique, but it's also important to say that uh, it's, it's a universal value. And it's, it's one of the most common things between humans. For me, listening to the show, I almost see it as a way of giving back those who experienced ISIS, their voice. And it's almost the news and media loves to portray people as victims. But as you said, Omar, you were not victims. You, you took your voice back and your power back and you did whatever you could during that time. And, and I see this show almost honoring that and honoring the individuals who really are, like you said, they're all heroes. Um, Hororo, I will hand it over to you because I'm sure you have some insight that you'd like to add as well. You're right, Chelsea. That was a really important part of our intent with the podcast. Um, And I guess along the way, we wanted to tell those stories that hadn't been told before. There are a lot of myths about ISIS, about the capture of Mosul, and about the people of Mosul that we needed to address. At the top of that list is this idea that Maslawis just let ISIS walk in. And worse than that, that they encouraged or even facilitated the capture of the city. And we spend basically the whole podcast addressing that idea addressing that myth not in some black and white way but we approach it for what it is which is a troubling difficult complex subject but what i think becomes really clear is that the people of mosul were put in a near impossible situation of course people did the wrong thing of course there were people that yes did support Daesh did support ISIS. But for the vast majority of Maslawis, they just wanted to survive. And then, of course, there were those that engaged in acts of resistance, active and kind of passive, that are inspiring, they're courageous beyond uh, belief, um, and they need to be remembered. So, yeah, a big part of trying to give um, Maslawis their history back is to ensure that locals themselves, that Maslawis are telling their own stories, their own perspectives. Um, So a really big part of this was, yes, giving Maslawis their history back and not letting Daesh on the one hand, but also on the other hand, politicians and academics sitting thousands of kilometers away or some shoddy journalists um, giving them the lead in how that history will be remembered and in our own small way uh, that's what we want to do with this podcast the other aspect here is that it's more about that that process of putting the podcast together that giving people a chance to talk who've never spoken about this stuff before about their experiences before it can be Uh, quite cathartic for them. Now, I've worked in conflict um, zones for 
most of my career and the traumas that are experienced by people there they are deep they are kind of intergenerational and they profoundly impact not just the individual but it but collectively as well from the family unit to the broader community and beyond giving people a chance to talk sometimes for the first time especially with people that they can trust it's cathartic or it can be cathartic for them but it also changes the way that they interact with their own experiences and those traumatic experiences and that was really important as well so having people say hey i've never talked about this before or no one's asked that before and then talking through it and over time um, discussing all the interrelated issues it changes that relationship with those experiences. And I think that, that that was an important part of this as well. It's almost impossible to fathom what these people have been through. The violence, the genocide, um, and yet through all of that, uh, people resisted. And bringing those stories forward, uh, as we do in the last episode, in episode four, uh, was was a really uh, central part of re-engaging with that history and giving people an opportunity to re-engage with their experiences. Um, I've spent a lot of time in these communities in the Middle East and in Asia, and I can assure you there is always a resistance. There are always people willing to push back but we don't hear their stories very often because they're in the underground they tend to work uh, in secret um, they're working in difficult unstable violent dangerous parts of the world that are hard to access the other sad part of this is that those people don't tend to survive very long so it was essential for us to tell those stories ensure that they are central in the final episode and the really inspirational part of the Muslim resistance to Daesh is that those same people are now central to the rebuilding and rehabilitation of the city. And on that note, why don't you take us through how the episodes are structured a bit just for those that may not have listened to it and are on the fence. You know, I, I highly recommend listening to it because it it's done so well. And my other personal question is you, you had all of these interviews, you had so much history and so many personal accounts. Like, how did you even wrap your mind around it to be able to create what you have created, which is amazing, but it seems like there's so much. And, and how do you choose almost? Yeah, well, it was an immense challenge. I mean, it was an immense challenge for me, you know, um, I'm not the smartest guy getting around, I guess. So I rely on long hours and a lot of planning to get through. And of course, uh, I, I was very fortunate to be working with such a great team. And Omar and Andrew were brilliant. We, from, from the very beginning, we had our roles um, and we focused on um, chipping away at, 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 at what was a very large and kind of complex task. I mean, for, for, for some context, um, just in terms of the audio 
that we had collected throughout this effort. There were hundreds of hours of interview content. Then on top of that, there was the historical content. So these are news reports, uh, maybe speeches by politicians, um, some uh, raw content um, in addition to all of that. Uh, and then, of course, there was the original uh, content from the Islamic State. So their propaganda speeches, um, videos. And we drew a lot on uh, those primary source materials as well. And I, I really need to take this chance to say that Andrew Mines is just exceptionally talented. He worked insane hours on the audio editing, but he literally covered everything else as well. So from the admin side of things, the promotions, the archiving of all this material, um, and, and, and he did that so that you know Omar couldn't focus on the interviews and the content and the hosting, and I could focus on the writing and production. So anyway, long story short, um, the audio alone was uh, immense. Um, and uh, Andrew had worked out that there was some minuscule percent of what we collected and edited that ultimately appears in the podcast. Now, on top of all of that, there is also the research that um, underpins everything. And so that was another layer. Now, Omar is second to none on this topic. His understanding of Mosul, of Mosul's history, of Daesh in Mosul, um, his uh, Maslawi networks, um, all of that was, of course, a crucial component to the story. Now, for me, I had just finished writing the uh, ISIS reader. And in fact, uh, it was about the time that the reader was released, um, maybe a few months later, that Omar and I had really started talking regularly. So those key primary source materials were kind of fresh in my mind um, as we were having those discussions and then going into planning. Um, I had also just finished writing The Long Jihad, um, which is an analysis of the Islamic State's insurgency theory and practice, um, focusing in particular on its capture of Mosul. And and, and that research paper um, really informed a lot of uh, these episodes from the ISIS perspective. <clears throat> so structurally across the podcast four episodes, um, the, the, the focus was on providing the appropriate context for Mosul and its people and understanding ISIS. Uh, but we had to ensure that we used kind of Omar's life to move the story along, basically from the 1980s, which is where we start in episode one, uh, through to the present, um, where we end with episode four. The narrative dynamic, I guess, kind of had in mind was this kind of porpoising thing where, you know, you take the audience up to 30,000 feet, provide a view of the broad history of the strategic dynamics and then we dive down to the streets of Mosul and we get the perspectives of people who were there uh, eyewitness accounts from average citizens um, from students um, from politicians um, um, from veterans and then we go back up to that 30,000 foot view and have a look at that history again those broad strategic dynamics and then we take that dive um, this time into, say, the inner sanctums of the Islamic State group. Their thinking, 
the kind of ideas that they were throwing around, how they shaped practice. <coughs> and then, of course, um, go back up again. So is, that was the kind of dynamic. And so you see that with episode one, um, where we're looking at, for example, uh, um, this these decades of trauma because of war and sanctions. You know, these broad historical dynamics. But then we dive into Omar's basement when he's four years old. And then we go back up again um, to look at the impact of the sanctions and the rationale behind those sanctions. And then we dive back in to the impact that that had um, um, on the local population. You know, and we keep moving forward um, with, with, with that kind of dynamic. Um, and then that then takes us to the Gulf War. And we look at some of the policies of the Gulf War. Um, some of the strategies, the military strategies that we used. And then we dive into, well, how did ISIS try to deal with that? What, 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 what operational ideas were they coming up with to try to be more successful in that context? And so throughout, we're, we're, we're going to that 30,000-foot view and then back down to the street. 30,000-foot view and then into the inner sanctums of, 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 of ISIS. Um, now... You can go into a project like this with a with a general idea, well, a, 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 even a pretty strong idea of how you want that central story to go, but ultimately the content dictates um, those little pathways that you'll go down um, a, a, along along the way. And the interviews that we did took us in directions and ways that we were just not expecting. Um, but that's part of the process. Um, and I guess my, my last point is that the medium matters. And this is a podcast. This is about sound. Um, so getting those layers right and the timing right. Again, Andrew is brilliant. Omar and I had ideas about how we want to do this, but th that, that's all on paper. It takes someone like Andrew to actually turn that into um, th those ideas um, in, in, into reality. So what music should be played and when what background sounds should we have when should it just be silence and it's just the testimony and so for us we we wanted to go light with a lot of the background sounds and music um and all that kind of thing you know my sense has always been I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and whenever i'm listening to a podcast and there's a lot of padding in there a lot of dramatic music and sound effects and dramatic speeches and all this kind of thing um well i just and it, we just felt like we didn't need any of that. If the story and if these people's experiences, if that's not enough for the listener, that's no problem. Um, then this probably isn't for you. But but we, we, we wanted to approach this in the way that we were comfortable with and the way that we would be happy with kind of presenting. Um, uh, Omar, is there anything you want to add? Yeah, I mean, I just, I just wanted to add that um, you know that I, I grew up in, in a house uh, during very uh, uh, difficult times in, in, in Mosul. I mean, uh, I, I was born during the war and went through the war. And uh, my family's history goes back to also my grandfather was uh, sentenced to death uh, 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 for being uh, in the opposition and many, many, many other things, which actually... Uh, uh, it's it's probably a very a very strange or weird connection, but uh, the way my family and many other mostly families used to prepare the food because of the lack of the food and you don't easily get the food, 
most of the food we eat actually requires time to process. So it takes it takes very long time to be ready that, uh, for example, my grandmother used to bring the uh, food prepared because she knows we might actually uh, have like kind of like a problem that we will, 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 will not have access to food anymore. So they prepare themselves always for the wars to come. But from that, I learned something is that you can never uh, 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 understand anything if you don't give it the due process, the time that it requires. And that's why, as Haroro as said, we really had hundreds of uh, 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 hours in stories. I mean, people were telling many things and things, things as, as also, again, as Haroro said, things will never be published. But with that amount of, 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 of information, it was also an ethical responsibility, Chelsea. How can we easily use almost everything was said to us without going back? And then the process start. Uh, I, I go back to my, to my archives, uh, compare what I have heard in the interview with the events I've documented, and then go back and I, then I ask Aurora and then check for the exact date of the event that did happen at that time, or was there any kind of like, probably sometimes people would speak uh, as a reflection and they think it's the reality because of the trauma they, they might have went through. So all of this was going through very complicated and long process. It's not something like one episode might take over five months to, to just prepare and finalize the text that we would use because you cannot put everything without researching. So it's also an experience we, 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 we enjoyed, I think, uh, as a team uh, and also being given the freedom from the uh, program on extremism we were given the freedom to do the podcast and without any kind of intervention, they said like, this is your podcast, go and do it. And then we started researching deep research, like asking the question, the same question, we would ask it on different occasions many times because we want to know, does this actually represent the truth? Is it, is it real? Did it happen? After all, we would never put something on air without uh, uh, making sure that this is credible. And this is something very difficult, uh, Chelsea, to do. It's not easy, uh, given that the, the, the uh, events happened or took place seven years ago. And that's why, in my opinion, it's also important to, to, to elaborate here that we decided we are not going to only put the uh, uh, voice of the Mosulis themselves. We want to hear not only or to know not only how the people of Mosul, my people, have lived or saw this, but we also wanted to know how the outside world saw the same exact events Therefore, we will have two different perspectives of the same event in order to make sense that this is not a local event. It is part of the 
global events that's happening around the world. It's it's a way of telling the people of Mosul, you are not alone. Even after all of this, these horrors have you have went through, but you are not alone. You have been uh, uh, observed. People were uh, trying to study what happened to you. People were trying to understand what was happening to you. They also had uh, their own views. It's to make sense of extremely local events to a global audience. And this is, this is, in my opinion, has helped a lot in telling the story of Mosul through this podcast in a very, I think, I think it's, not, it's not right to, to praise our own podcast, but I am speaking as a historian, as if I am just observing this podcast. Because when I listen to it, I listen, I feel myself, I'm listening to something for the first time. It was put in a very professional way that I remember many times. Uh, Haroro would say, like, we are not going to use this, whether you, are, you, you accept or not. This is not completely uh, uh, fit to the uh, 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 truth. It's not, it's not actually a part of the truth. We cannot uh, 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 prove this. Even if it has uh, lines that actually... Uh, uh, might prove it as 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 a fact in the in the in the future, but we weren't able to verify it. Therefore, we just keep it away. Or there were other things that was also important. Uh, we treated the interviewees not as subjects or storytellers. No, that's why when I was speaking to them and. Whenever I mention something to them or they try to answer something, I remind them that uh, or give them an indica- indication that we, we, were, we were in this uh, uh, time together. So I share with them personal feelings so that we know that I sympathize with them and they know that this is not a storytelling. It is rather, I mean, to me, it was a therapy and to them as well. That's why not all their stories were put, but only part of it. Uh, they realize at the end that, oh my God, did I tell all of these things? I, I've never told them before. I've never thought that I would be able to tell these stories before. And then we decide we are not going to take this. It's, it's, they were, you know, you know yourself when you are telling something and you realize that then this is not something to be published. This is something I was telling you from a person to another. That's why we also uh, really cared a lot and we're very careful to uh, respect the human side of the story. It is not, it is not a storytelling. It is not uh, 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 like a, a media content, no. It is something about a city that was heavily damaged, devastated by wars, it has to get the chance to tell what happened through the voices of its own people. One of the things that when I listen to it and also hearing your thoughts that you put into it, all of the effort and time, it's, it is a podcast and it is a show that records this. But I mean, coming from a historical background, Omar, I see it almost as a testament of this moment in history and making it, putting it out there for everyone in the future. And, and as you said, it's, 
it's about Mosul, but it also can be transferred to so many other experiences that people go through in conflict across the world. And I want to touch on that a little bit. I know we did before actually recording, but we have all these conflicts. Of course, recently, Afghanistan has been talked about so much. So in your opinions, even though this show is about Mosul, how do we see it reflected in the greater world? Um. Let's let's use use what the, the current events of Kabul, Chelsea. I mean, um, the moment Kabul fell, and I started reading the reports and and watching the the, the uh, reports from from uh, Afghan in, in inside Kabul and all of these things. While we are still working on the podcast and events happened in Mosul, I immediately called her. What's happening? I mean, this is. This is something I read now that almost exactly the same happened seven years ago when, when uh, Mosul fell. The similarities are horrifying, and it tells you that the human cost, no matter where it happens, it is always the same because there are these kind of like feelings. I started reading, for example, uh, someone is writing about I think it's it's an Afghan scholar. Uh, she was writing about that, saying that uh, hope is uh, uh, a moral uh, and intellectual obligation. We have to uh, uh, keep this hope because we have to care about the next generation. We shouldn't give up. And hope is not the false optimism. No, it's 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 the it's the intellectual product that you make. And then I said, like I've read this seven years ago. I read another one saying like, I am from Afghanistan, I am from Kabul, I am from the, I am Afghan and I am from the occupied Kabul. I said, I wrote this seven years ago. I am from, I am, I am mostly, I am from the occupied Mosul. And then all of these similarities started reflecting again and again, which was very difficult for me because I mean, imagine living the same events again after seven years, after trying to heal from the trauma, happening again and again and i am i am i am sure that same horrors and the similarities have happened in other parts of the world Haroro uh, would would tell a lot about about uh, the philippines the same in in, in marawi uh, we, we we have other other uh, uh, elements in in other parts of the world and that's why we decided we are gonna add uh, special content a special part of the podcast dedicated only to Kabul and what happened to Kabul. We have already uh, we have already started interviewing uh, Afghan uh, people. Uh, uh, some of them are are still in Kabul. Others uh, have left. Others are waiting for the fate. Others who are telling me that I have lost everything the, uh, that I have built in the last twenty years, which is something like the same the same the same kind of like sentence that I've heard from Mosulis who, who, who were telling me like everything I hoped for is gone it's vanished before my eyes that's the horrifying part Chelsea uh, is that that the world couldn't prevent the same thing from happening again they couldn't prevent it and that the people those ordinary people who wants to live their life who wants to uh, uh, continue their life and they are by the way they are true believers in peace, democracy, and future. 
those are the true believers in 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 the in the uh, uh, real uh, values of of human lives but what happened to them and as as we said in our in our in our podcast like what do they get in 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 return they get betrayed and you can I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you can see this yourself you can see what what happened to those uh, uh, people in afghanistan what one of one of the afghan scholars told me those are literally people who have nothing to do with the history of Taliban or the history of Afghanistan under Taliban. They are completely a new generation who saw completely different life and a better life. And everything is vanished now for them. It's exactly the same with the lost opportunities. To the extent that I I, 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 I told Harora and Andrew, like, guys, look, we don't have to do another podcast. Let's just change it from Mosul and the Islamic State to Kabul and Taliban. And the story is the same. Aurora, is there anything you'd like to add to that? And I, I completely agree with what you said, Omar, just from watching everything that's unfolded in the last, what has it been, month, month and a half or so. And it's terrifying how it, it it's so familiar from what we've seen in the past with other conflicts. But I'm going to hand over the floor to Aurora now. Well, we're going to address a lot of these issues you know as best as we can um in this upcoming special episode and we have interviews with subject matter experts with veterans with politicians but most importantly afghans are central to how we approach this story and i i guess i just want to say that it is impossible to comprehend the sense of loss that people have. Now, the true believers in democracy and freedom in Afghanistan have been devastated. And when I say that those true believers, that's not the politicians. They ran. It's not the NGOs who made a career and a few dollars. Uh, they're gone too. It is those Afghans who spent, what, 20 years trying to be educated, engaging in civil society, raising their heads up um, despite the risks in an effort to uh, pursue something better for for themselves, but certainly for the future. And who invested and risked the most? It was women. I mean, of course it was women. And it, it, it always is. And who has this withdrawal devastated the most? Well, it's Afghan women. I mean, the sense of betrayal and despair, you'll hear it. It's visceral and it's profound. And how have many Afghan women responded? By resisting. Um, They've gone to the streets and they've protested. Again, it's a bit of a theme, I guess, in our discussion today, but most people listening to this right now are not capable of understanding the courage it takes to do that to face this tyrannical jihadist regime um, who have demonstrated that they have no issues with torturing mutilating and killing women and in this upcoming episode um, you know Afghan women um, including protesters are really central to to uh, this um, to this story now if if this 
sense of betrayal wasn't enough. And this is something that, that I think is going to emerge um, um, from these discussions. Uh, that betrayal, that feeling of betrayal, it doesn't come from nothing. Um, Afghans have expressed this sense of betrayal because they are holding us here in the West to the standard that we set, the bar that our rhetoric, um, our you know promises of democracy, freedom, and equality, the, the the bar that we set, and then walked away. And what makes this so much worse is that as if that injury is not enough, they now need to bear the insult of hearing this Taliban whitewashing by Western politicians, the media, and academics. And so I think that these are some of the key themes that really come out in this special episode. And I hope that, you know, that, that perhaps people take a little bit of time to listen and, 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 and to hear what Afghans have to say. I, for one, am looking forward to that because as everything you said rings very true to me as well. Um, I know, Omar, you have a time constraint. So my last question going back to the Mosul and Islamic State podcast is after going through this huge adventure, huge um, testimonies, uh, almost therapy as well. What is it that you would hope listeners gain from listening to this show? And I'll um, hand it over to you, Omar. And if you need to drop off the call before we end recording, that is fine too. But I'll hand it over to you, Omar, first. Yeah, I think I think it, it's it's in a very a very short uh, uh, sentence. I would say that, which is something that we made sure to 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 uh, put in the podcast is always go back to the start. Whenever you finish the podcast, always go back. You might have missed something because this is the way we we put the podcast. Chelsea is you cannot understand the fourth episode without listening first to the first episode and then you go through the other episode but also you cannot understand the first one without going to the uh, uh, final one so it's kind of like a circle of uh, knowledge that you need to keep uh, going through and it's very important to not judge the people of Mosul before you listen to the podcast listen to the podcast and then judge what happened in Mosul I, I I'm sorry, but I will I will have to leave now. No, thank you so much for yeah. coming on the show. And Haroro, um, I'll pass it on to you. Thanks, Chelsea. Of course, I agree 100% with Omar. We uh, designed this series so that listeners can go back and pick up different threads and kind of follow them through um, the episodes. So you know you can listen to this history. And then you can do it again, kind of for the first time. And maybe some of our listeners can um, encourage others to have a listen to the podcast as well. Uh, you know, Omar, Andrew and I, we didn't really go into this with some high and mighty ideals. You know, it, it, it was pretty simple. We just want to tell these stories, get these stories out there and do it as best we can. And again, it's it's the, 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 the support that you see from the the program um, um, and, uh, and all of our colleagues there has been fantastic, and and, um, and 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 that is always going to be the central thing for us was just getting these stories out there. Um, ultimately, uh, we just appreciate that people have shown an interest in the podcast, 
Um, and so, yeah, to our listeners, we appreciate your time. Um, and please keep an eye out for uh, episode four, which will be out soon, and some bonus content in the coming weeks. Well, fantastic. I think that's a great way to end the show. And of course, Omar had to go, but Hororo, thank you for coming on the show as well. And yeah, to our listeners, um, I definitely recommend the podcast, spreading the podcast love, as I mentioned at the starting of this show. But thank you so much for sharing this experience and the whole process with us today. Hey, thanks, Josie. Again, like we, we really appreciate, um, you know, uh, having the opportunity to talk with you, but also um, thank you for uh, your contribution to um, Mosul's Islamic State. You know, it was a really important contribution, and um, and yeah, it was really greatly appreciated. So thank you. Oh, thank you. It was an honor to be a part of it. So yes.